0: Um, so, I'd like to go ahead and get started. I'm just going to give a, a nod uh, to um, my background assistant, who's making sure that we are live on the YouTube channel. I'm going to pause. You're good. Excellent. Okay. I'm gonna go ahead and read a statement that if you've been with us for a couple of months, you've probably heard several times before, uh, but bear with me, this is just the um, public statement to make sure we're all on the same page as far as uh, the meeting um, for tonight. So with that, welcome to the January 11th meeting of the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. My name is Penny Holler. I'll be facilitating the Zoom portion of this meeting. I'm joined here by Director Derek Rogers and additional Parks and Rec staff via Zoom. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in your lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. This section is also where you can turn your camera on and off. For purposes of this meeting, please keep your video on. Um, Again, as that makes sense, um, some staff and some members of the public will be joining us. Um, So that's a preference and not a requirement. Um, For the general public comment, Chair Bart Littlejohn will call you by name to speak. Each participant has three minutes for public comment. After public comment is over, you're welcome to stay on the call for the remainder of the meeting. For comment on agenda items, Chair Littlejohn will call you by name to speak. Each participant will have three minutes um, and uh, the board members will then continue their discussion. Also, as a reminder, please state your name and title each time that you speak for the record. And if a vote is necessary, the chair will capture votes from each advisory board member separately by roll call vote. With that, I would like to turn the meeting over to Chair Bart Littlejohn.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, Thanks for coming to the meeting today. Um, And uh, also, I would just like to know, uh, just like you to know, like following what uh, Penny said regarding the general agenda, um, I'm sorry, the uh, public comment. Um, what we're gonna do uh, is a little bit different than normal um, just because uh, one of our uh, board members is a little bit pressed on time and he's one of our newer board members, Brendan. So we wanna make sure that he's involved in the meeting before you know, it kind of goes uh, towards the later parts. Um, in regards to public comment, if, uh, if, if possible, I would like us to go ahead and refrain on any sort of response to anybody giving public comment. If you're a board member, if you could go ahead and do that till the uh, item agenda, I'm sorry, agenda item E uh, concerns of the board or other member uh, items of interest, that would be great. Um, Otherwise, if it's like a staff response, I think uh, just given we're a little bit pressed on time to go ahead and get this in, that uh, we could go ahead and table that till afterwards and they can go ahead and respond directly to the the person or persons making comments. So um, with that, I will go ahead and get us started. Uh, Welcome to our new board members. Uh, I believe it's Amber Nickel and uh, Brendan. Um, And with that, uh, I think what we'll do is we'll just have a little, um, if you would, if both of you are on, if you can briefly introduce yourself to the rest of us, that would be great. Yeah, I can go first.
2: Uh, My name is Brendan Downey. I am... Uh, currently on staff with a campus ministry called The Greatness. Uh, on I work on the KU campus. Um, I uh, have some background experience working with KU Intramural Sports and working at the KU Rec Center for four years when I was there. And so that's what, uh, in, I guess, turned me on to the Parks and Rec Advisory Board. Um, someone pointed out to me that I could apply, and that was exciting to me. So, um, yeah, and I'm married. Uh, to, I'm 24 years old, so I graduated from KU in 2019, so um, I think that's probably all you need to know.
1: All right. Awesome, man. Uh, Thank you for joining us, Brendan. We we appreciate it. Um, And I know that um, a lot of you probably know Amber already, but for those who don't, uh, Amber, can you go ahead and let us know a little bit about you?
3: Sure. Uh, my name is Amber Nickel, and I have lived in Lawrence since I graduated high school in Wichita. I moved up here for KU in 1994 and stayed put. Um, I really love this community. I um, own a dog grooming business and retail place out on the west side of town called Posh Wash, and my 12-year-old son is the number one fan of Sports Pavilion Lawrence, uh, and I'm probably number two, so... He has been missing being able to go out there and play basketball. Um, yeah. I can't think of anything else I should say, but I'm glad to be here. I've uh, wanted to be on the parks and rec board for a long, long time. So I'm excited.
1: Okay. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you. And I'm sorry, everybody. I kind of jumped it a little bit, but I thought uh, it'd be great to go ahead and get meet these guys a little bit beforehand. So, um, that being said uh let's go ahead and get started uh if you if all of you had a opportunity to go ahead and review the minutes uh from the last meeting if not if you can go ahead and take the opportunity to do so that would be great <laughs>
4: They have to look at it for the
5: people who believe these conspiracy years. The president calls the deal off.
6: Uh, Jackie Becker, I move to approve the minutes.
7: This is Val Renaud. I have one typo to
6: mention. Okay, (laughs) Uh,
7: Lynn Gimple, who talked about the dog park, her name is spelled two different ways. I'm not sure which is the correct one, her last name. Sorry,
6: Jackie.
1: (laughs) No, no, thank you for letting us know. Mm
6: -hmm. Proofreader here. Good catch. Uh,
1: Penny, would we happen to know the correct spelling of her name right away? I mean, let's see if I can find
8: it. I have emails from her. In
0: Penny Heller, manager analyst. So I think um, you heard uh, Director Rogers say that um, the correct spelling is G-I-M-P-L-E P-E-L. I'm sorry, P-E-L. So um, we can um, just note for um, the the record that um, the correct spelling. It is correct in three places and incorrect in one. So um, we'll just we'll make a note of that.
1: Okay. Um, with so uh, with that done.
9: This- board member, I would go ahead and second the motion to approve the minutes.
1: Okay. Oh, a penny. Would that be a, a second to approve the amended minutes? Or uh, do we have to say that if, if it's just a note?
0: Um, I, I mean, it, I'm not sure. It's, I, I'm, I'm not sure that if it, we have to say it's amended, but with that adjustment. So the notes okay. were just adjusted to reflect the correct spelling of
10: um, Lynn Gimple's name. It wouldn't be amended because you haven't approved them yet.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, So the Maryland has a uh, second to uh, approve the adjustment of the minutes. Um, Any, uh, any questions or any opposed? Uh, All those in favor, say aye or raise your hand. All right. And there were no opposed. Okay, I think the minutes are approved. Um, Cool. Uh, Moving on, uh, let's see, it's public comment. And uh, just uh, my brief introduction before, uh, like I said, we're just going to do it a little bit different because Brendan is on a little bit of a time crunch here. Um, So uh, Penny, I believe we had two people available for public comments.
0: We did. Uh, Penny Hall, Rancho analyst. I only see um, one currently in the meeting. I see Chris Tilden. Um, If Chris would like to let us know if he will be doing general public comment or um, speaking to a specific agenda item, that would be helpful.
11: Yeah, I had comments specific to the agenda item related to the capital improvement plan.
1: Uh, Related to, what was that, Chris? I didn't quite- The capital improvement plan. Okay. All right. Uh, so would you just uh, like to uh, go ahead and wait until we go ahead and address that in the agenda? Then? Yep. I will okay. do that, Bart. Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks. I appreciate that. All righty. All right. Uh, to go ahead and move us on, um, since we've already done a brief introduction, um, I would uh, – Penny, how did you want to handle the – uh, should we just continue the introductions all the way around, or do you just want to dive into the uh, chair elections?
0: I would say that is certainly up to the board. Um, however, um, members of the advisory board would um, would like to do that. If you think it'd be helpful to um, do an agenda or do an um, introduction of all the advisory board members, you can certainly do so. Um, if you think okay. it'd be helpful to jump into um, nominations, you can do that as well.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's let's go ahead and keep it brief. But I, I think it would I think it would be great for Amber and uh, Brendan to go ahead and get to know the rest of us. Uh, I'll go ahead and get us started. Uh, my name is Bart Littlejohn. I am the chair the sh- chair of the uh, advisory board. Uh, I came to this board from the Pinckney Neighborhood Association, where I'm president, and uh, I've got a kid, and uh, we we all love to attend this, the great city parks. So. Uh, Jackie, if you all, uh, how about if we just say the next person so Jackie, I'll shoot it over to you.
6: Hi, I'm Jackie Becker and uh, I'm the vice chair of Parks and Rec and uh, I like Amber came here for college and never left and I love to play kickball and go swimming and uh, ride my bike. So those all involve Parks and Rec and that's why I love being on the board. And I'll just go around. My next one is Val.
7: <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Val Renault. This is my third year on the um, board. Love parks and Rec. I have grown children who did soccer and this and that. And I play volleyball at East Lawrence Rec Center. When when we play volleyball, which I hope will be sometime next summer or fall. And uh, wel- welcome you both. Let's see, Pat. Hi, I'm
4: Brendan. nice to meet you both. I'm Pat Phillips. Um, I've been here as many years as Val, three years. Um, I worked in the VA uh, system for 28 years, retired there. I'm now currently a therapist, part-time at DECA. My background is in mental health. My undergrad was recreation therapy and I like the other people that have spoke, my Prozac is moving. I love to do triathlons, haven't been able to do them for a little while, but I still love the training piece. And I take advantage of all that um, Lawrence Parks and Recreation offer from the swimming pool to the trails, to the bike um, loop. And so it's it's a passion of mine. So it's a, it's a pri- privilege to be a part of this, this committee. So welcome. And I will pass this on to John Nalbanian.
12: Hi, I'm John Blazik. I'm uh, I'm a, tra- a transplant here. I didn't come to school here. Uh, I moved here after I retired from education, being a principal in the Wichita area for 33 years, and a coach and athletic director, and been a college basketball official for 33 years. And now I work for the NC2A with the college basketball national tournaments i uh, been here for eight years. Absolutely love Lawrence. Extremely impressed with Parks and Rec and everything they do. Uh, I use all their facilities. And uh, like Pat, I feel very honored being on this committee.
1: Hey, uh, John, could you pass it to John now, Bandian?
12: Sure. John? Oh, is that who I was? I was did I overstep <laughs> that bar? It's, it's all right. It's
1: all right. <laughs>
5: I'm sorry. Thank you, guys. Uh, John Nalbandian. I'm a retired uh, faculty member, of the School of Public Affairs Administration, University of Kansas, uh, former mayor and commissioner here in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, been president of the Domestic Violence Board, Library Board, uh, presently on uh, Watkins Museum Board and, and this board. So, quite involved. So, thank you. Pass it on to Val. No, nope, already. Who's next? Oh, Marilyn.
9: Hi, um, my name is Marilyn Hull. Um, I've also been on the board about three years. My background is in nonprofit management. I'm currently uh, mostly retired from being a nonprofit consultant. Um, I have two um, of my children and four of my grandchildren living in Lawrence. We're all active in using all the facilities. Um, So very interested in all parts of the parks and rec program. My personal passion is trails. And uh, Brendan and Amber, you just lowered the average age of the advisory board members. So I'd like to thank you for that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's I, I've been knocked out of. Uh, well, I'm not sure actually. I know I was in the lower percentile, but now I'm I'm like in the middle of the road, so that's nice. Um, um staff, would you mind uh, go ahead and introducing yourself as well?
8: Yeah, I am Derek Rogers, right uh, of Orange Park Recreation. Uh, Pat Phillips and I are, are similar in different ways that we had uh, backgrounds in uh, federal civil service. And uh, mine was also in the military. I'm an Lawrence resident, grew up here, and have two kids. Uh, one graduated from KU as an engineer in aerospace. Another one is starting her senior year uh, at the KU in engineering.
0: Lee, would you like to go next?
13: Absolutely. Um, I've lived here all my life. I haven't hardly left. <laughs> I grew up on the playgrounds. I played in the leagues with Parks and Recreation. I attended Central Junior High. I attended Lawrence High School. I attended University of Kansas. I got my degree in education, master's degree in sports administration. I've coached something probably for 40 years. That's a whole Uh, From CYO basketball to the baseball at the University of Kansas, Northside basketball, Free state softball. It's tough to get rid of me. Um, I've enjoyed the run. Parks and Recreation is, I mean, to have a job in Parks and Recreation is,
14: I've been pretty lucky.
0: Mark, would you like to go?
14: I'm next. I'm Mark Hecker. I'm Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. So I oversee the parks, trails, facilities, end of thing. Lee oversees the recreation operations of the facilities. Um, I've worked in parks and recreation almost 40 years now with Lawrence Parks and Rec for 22. So I've been around a little while. Um, I do a lot of, I do youth coaching. I do club volleyball, been doing that for 19 years. I've also coached softball. I've coached just about every sport there is for youth. Um, still work, do a lot of golf. I do a lot of things on, uh, parks and recreation activities. So I'm continually at the sports pavilion with volleyball and that sort of stuff. So that's me.
4: Liz. Hi, I'm Liz Ramirez.
7: I, um, have been with parks and rec actually on Friday will be my one year anniversary um i do the administrative duties around here and so far i've enjoyed it i really haven't been able to see much since covid started right when it hit but overall i'm I'm super excited and i've been grateful to be a part of the advisory board to see all everything that goes on all the background
0: roger
10: Hello, I'm just kind of here. Uh, I'm a marketing supervisor. I've been with the department for almost 19 years. Uh, I do the marketing, the activity guide website, uh, the media relations for the department.
0: And I think I'm the last one of staff. I'm Penny Holler. I'm the management analyst here in Parks and Rec. I'm also your advisory board liaison. Um, I have a background working um, nonprofit, uh, working for uh, a governor, working um, for a U.S. senator. Um, so certainly been at various levels of um, local government and nonprofit work, and uh, mostly just I'm excited to get to see this group uh, once a month.
1: Awesome! Thank you, everybody, uh, and. As said before, welcome, Brendan and Amber. All right, Penny, let's get to the nomination for, for new chair and vice chair for 2021. How how exactly are we going to proceed with this?
0: Penny, hello, Management Analyst. Um, I, I have just um, two quick um, items to bring up um, before you proceed with your discussion. Um, the first is it seems to make sense to have Um, the previous year's chair continue um, to facilitate the meeting. Um, That's what we did um, last year. So if that works for the board, we'll continue that process, which means for purposes of this meeting, uh, Bart will um, continue to facilitate. And then um, the chair chair and vice chair um, will begin uh, next meeting. So if that works for everyone, uh, we, we can continue that as a practice. Um, also, just a reminder, I, I did have um, uh, the orientation with the two new advisory uh, board members um, and kind of brought them in on the responsibilities of the chair and vice chair. Um, so. Uh, Um, Hopefully everyone understands that um, that is who will speak on your behalf. If there's a need at a city commission meeting uh, after a vote from the board, Um, they facilitate meetings in the absence of the chair, the vice chair, uh, will step in and assist with that. They help with um, agenda creation Um, because they're listed as the chair and vice chair. um, They might receive even more um, community feedback and emails than um, the rest of the advisory board members. Um, so that, that's really just things for your consideration. Um, this is about um, you know who the board uh, wants to select from um, all of the board members. Um, there's no bylaws governing how that selection is made. So um, I would um, open it up for um, the board's discussion to determine um, nominations. Uh, my only request is um, that there is a, a formal vote um, uh, for chair and vice chair. Um, That's really what we're what we're trying to accomplish
1: here. All right. Um, That being said, I would open it up for nominations uh, for let's go ahead and uh, do the chair position first. Nominations for chair. Which, by the way, I'll let it be known if nobody else wants to step up, I am more than welcome to do it. I can, I, I'll do it again for another year, <laughs> so. Bart, I'd like to- Don't, don't let that prejudice, prejudice anybody from going ahead and nominating themselves or anyone else.
12: Bart, this is John Blazek. Board member, can you hear me? Yes. I'd like to uh, nominate Bart Little John to stay in the CIS position. I think you've done an outstanding job. You have a great feel of the community and people.
1: Thank you, John. Um, Are there any other nominations for chair? And as I said before, I wouldn't want to crowd anyone out that wants to go ahead and step up and do it. So.
9: Um, This is Marilyn Hull, board member. I'd like to nominate Jackie Becker. She's willing to serve.
1: And Marilyn, was that Jackie Becker for chair?
6: Yes, it was. Okay. Um, I would like to say that I'd like to see if Bart would like to continue to be the chair and um, maybe that would work. Um, I think with my world at the moment with my career because I didn't really say what I do in in this. um, I'd like to maybe wait (laughs) another year or so maybe to be the chair. And so I would like to defer my vote for BART. Thank you, Marilyn. I very much appreciate that.
1: Are there any other persons that we wanna nominate for chair? All right, hearing as there are none, and it sounds like Jackie has deferred. I guess I'm the lone man on the totem pole. All right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for all your support. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll try my best to not break anything. So,
0: Penny Hall, our management analyst, could we get a formal roll call vote on that?
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Penny. Uh, all those in favor of I guess, Bart Littlejohn being chair for the, was it 2021 year? Uh, And is it uh, a voice vote or is it uh, hands or what?
0: Just to keep it simplified, um, the way we're capturing meeting notes, it would help me to um, have you call on each member of the board. Okay, Okay. gotcha. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes, okay, Uh, Jackie Becker. Uh, uh, I, I, to, or, yes. I or nay. Oh,
6: okay. Yay for Bart, little John.
1: <laughs> okay. Val <laughs> uh, Renault. Yay for Bart. Hey, daddy,
6: daddy.
1: Amber Nickel.
3: Oops. Yay for Bart.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. John Blosick.
12: Yay for Bart.
1: Pat Phillips.
12: Yay for Bart.
1: Marilyn Hull.
9: Yay for Bart.
1: John Nelbandian.
2: Yay for Bart.
1: Brendan Downey. Yay for Bart. Uh, I think that is everyone. All right. And I didn't hear anybody. uh, I guess uh, we'll go ahead and try the uh, the vice president role uh, as well. I
0: assume the chair is voting for himself.
1: Yes. Yes. Bart is voting for himself. (laughs) Although if I wasn't, I think I would win by majority. So,
11: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Um, But uh, now I would uh, go ahead and open up nominations for the vice chair role. Uh, Anyone would uh, like to be nominated or nominate somebody else. Uh, I would nominate Jackie Becker if she would do it. I think uh, we work very well together and, uh, and uh, honestly, I think she would make a great chair, but if she's not ready this year, I think she'll be more than ready next year.
6: Jackie backer. I would be a okay to accept the vice chair nomination or suggestion, I guess, before we vote.
1: (laughs) Is there anyone else that would like to uh, nominate anyone or self-nominate themselves? Okay, I'm not hearing anyone. All right. Uh, We'll go ahead and put that to a roll call vote as well. Um, I'll go ahead and start with myself. And it's the same as before. For Jackie Becker, for Vice Chair, I would vote uh, yay. Uh, Let's see. Let's start with Amber Nickel.
3: I, too, vote yay for Jackie Becker. (laughs) Val Renaud. Uh, Yes,
7: I vote yes for Jackie, and I thank both of you for being willing to serve again.
1: Thank you. Uh, John Blazek.
12: Yay for Jackie Becker.
1: All right. Pat Phillips.
4: Yay for Jackie and thank you both.
1: Marilyn Hall.
4: Yay for Jackie.
1: John Nalbandian.
5: Yay for Jackie and thank you both.
1: Brendan Downey. Yay for Jackie. All right. And Jackie Becker. Yay for Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a weird thing to say. <laughs> I know, right? It is. It is, is totally strange, but you know, we have to, <laughs> um, so, okay. Uh, I don't think I left out anybody. I hope I didn't. And, uh, thank you guys for all of your support and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do the best we can. So, um, uh, moving on, um, item number three is the, uh, review of the capital of improvement plan for 2022. um, And uh, just uh, I had a little bit of a preface for this. Um, We were uh, actually able to review this plan because a board member uh, actually made a a suggestion for it, which I think was a great suggestion. Um, And I just wanted to say that um, in that suggestion, if I want to promote all of us to ask all the questions possible, of staff or related to parks and rec it's incumbent on incumbent on staff to let us know where those guardrails are so um i i appreciate you know that you know we're worried about overreach and anything of that sort but uh i just want to make sure that uh we we know that we have the freedom to go ahead and do that and i want us to go ahead you know try to make this uh you know this board as inclusive as possible and as open as possible. So um, I just want to go ahead and let everybody know that. But uh, Penny, if you would, if you can go ahead and get us started on that.
0: Absolutely. Um, I will be sharing my screen. Penny Hollander's analyst, Um, give me one second. Okay, is everyone able to see uh, the PowerPoint on the screen? Yep. Perfect, okay. Um, So again, this is just, uh, this will look familiar to those of you who were here in January last year. Um, I think it's really helpful to give uh, just kind of a brief overview of um, what a capital improvement plan is um, and and what its purpose is and and what that means to um, discussing uh, additions to it or or adjustments. So with that, and again, this is also for um, getting to keep in mind, there are members of the public um, who are also participating in watching this. So in some ways, this is also a refresher, uh, likely for board for members, but also helps put our discussion into context for those who may be um, less familiar with what we already know. So what's the CIP? Um, the CIP uh, is meant to be uh, the items on behalf of the city It goes a calendar year, January 1st, December uh, 31st. This we'll be looking at, the draft will be for 2022. Um, It's for for capital items. Think large investments, think $100,000 or more, uh, expected to last 10 years or more. Uh, The way the city of Lawrence does the CIP is it goes for five years. So um, the item that we are looking to create will start in 2022 and continue on for um, for a total of five years. So when we talk about the current CIP and sort of the starting place for today's discussion, we're really looking at what has already been approved by the city commission in the 2021-2025 CIP. Uh, again, I think uh, we were able to get this posted on the website, so, It is included on the agenda, some of the um, detail on this. I've also just kind of pulled out some of this for ease of our discussion in the intro. Um, But if you look at just um, the items that are listed for parks and rec uh, that are sort of those um, generally new build items, it totals 1.95 million in 2021. That includes the Lawrence Loop trail, uh, sports complex and golf irrigation upgrades, Uh, the Burroughs Creek Spray Park, and the 27th Street Extension. So if we do some simple math and we look at just what's already been approved in 2021, it's about $60 million of items from the entire city, and $1.95 million ends up to be about 3.2% of that. So it helps to really give a context. Um, This is just a portion of really the CIP is the city's a capital improvement plan. So parks and rec items are one portion of that. So best practices in the development of a CIP, Um, the ideal really would be a capital improvement program, um, which is something I think the city has been working its way toward. Um, That would be where you assess your current assets and uh, each of those assets has a repair or replacement schedule that you can then budget for and um, kind of have an anticipated plan for when that's going to happen. And also most importantly, you have funding uh, that matches that anticipated schedule. So I think this is something that the city has really been working to um, put a lot of time and effort into, you um, reaching this. Um, And I think you'll continue to see um, adjustments and and upgrades to how the parks and rec department and how the city puts together uh, the capital improvement plan. And I wanna give a, just a a brief um, kind of an explanation, which uh, you know sometimes uh, discussions of capital improvement plans can be a little dry. I think it helps to put it in context. So- um, Penny,
5: Penny, can I, I wanna make a comment here. Absolutely. I want to make sure we understand the difference between a capital improvements plan and a capital improvements budget. So these items may be planned, but I don't know if they're actually in the budget.
0: So the simple way to look at that in Lawrence is um, we budget for the first year. So when items are approved, so for example, if we're looking at what's already been approved, all of these items have funding attached to them. If we go out to future years, if we're looking at 2026, at this point, there is not funding sources attached to that. So it's a plan um, based on what we know that seems uh, the appropriate prioritized items, that seems the appropriate year that we accomplish those items. But at this point, we don't have, okay, well, that will be paid for uh, by sales tax. That will come out of general revenues. Um, so, uh, John O'Banney is correct that um, for purposes of this discussion, it is helpful to know um, that the first year that we're looking at, the first year, um, although the entire plan will be approved, the five year plan. The first year will actually have the resources tied to it to um, make sure that staff can, can carry that out. So if I, I jump back to this um, uh, thought real quick. So, again, this is uh, clearly a, a regular house, um, perhaps not in Lawrence or at least not yet, uh, but it was uh, non copywritten or trademarked clip art. Um, so, um, it, that's what you can get um, uh, for this presentation. But so, this great example is picture you just built a new house. And um, there's almost no maintenance. It still has that lovely new house smell. Um, All all the walls are immaculate. There's been no uh, children or dogs to disrupt the flooring or the windows or the doors. Um, This is, in essence, what it looks like when you build a new project. And then you get to about year 10 after you've built, in this example, the house. And you get those those smaller repairs. Maybe you're replacing your air conditioning unit. Maybe um, the refrigerator and the stove aren't working well and you need to replace the appliances. By year 25, you're looking at some some larger, more expensive repairs. Maybe you're looking to repair the, the roof, replace windows and doors, maybe look at some driveway repairs. And by year 50, you're looking at some, some possibly pretty substantial repairs for the house. So foundation repairs, electrical upgrade, those types of things. So it seems obvious, but it helps to remember that the minute you build something, it begins to age. So um, it's really um, helpful as we're looking for, um, you know, how do we walk into this process of determining where those investments need to be made to keep in mind um, Part of that is building new, um, and part of that um, is maintaining what we um, already have. And that's the same thing with our house. So, um, when you bought the house 50 years ago, um, did you have a plan for, for maintenance? Um, those are the same things that, as, as staff, we um, you know look back and um, you know some of, ask some of these questions. Um, we also balance. Um, You know, between that, that maintenance needed to keep that item and additions. Uh, Let's say you bought the house at age 25 and it's 50 years later, you're now 75. Um, Perhaps you realize it's time you need to expand the garage. You need to build new. Um, So balancing uh, those uh, foundation cracks versus that garage that would really make your life easier. Um, That's just kind of a general example of um, the balance that we're, um, we're trying to strive for. And as items, uh, as assets age, um, some of the key questions, uh, is the house still meeting your needs? Um, Are the things that were built 50 years ago um, still effective? Uh, Do they still work? And um, also looking at, uh, you know, whether it's personally or whether you're dealing with taxpayer dollars, um, when is it most cost effective um, to to build something new Um, or to, to, acknowledge that perhaps what was built 50 years ago isn't quite, quite meeting the need. So hopefully a simple example, um, but to give a little context to, um, to the discussion. So staff is, is currently um, just in the beginning stages of starting to draft the CIP. Um, we start looking at the already approved CIP. Um, you'll recall that is a five-year plan that was approved so that's really the basis of um, where we begin looking at this Um, as we talked about um, our new house and its aging is the same for all the assets in parks and recreation so there's considerations for safety uh, can we get matching funds um, what are some ada items that need to be addressed and where we receive complaints on um, items that maybe aren't meeting um, community expectations. And uh, it- excuse me, Penny. Absolutely.
2: Uh, hey, this is Brendan Downey Advisory Board. I am having to step out of the meeting. Sorry about this, everyone. Um, I promise next month I'll be there for the entire of the meeting, but thanks for introducing me to you all. And I look forward to being here next month.
0: Thank you, Brendan. So we will make sure that we, um, we get this information to Brendan. The good news is it's also um, being recorded. Um, so we will make sure he has uh, all the information uh, that the, all the members of the advisory board have. Um, going back to how staff begins its, this process, um, we really look at our resources. So um, I think many of you have, have, are aware of and have been involved with the city's new strategic plan um, the plan has been approved by the city commission. Now um, it's really being um, looked at and assessed to see where the next steps are to um, make that plan more actionable. So I think we will all be seeing um, more, uh, more work and, and guidance from that strategic plan. Um, the city has been working to develop a CIP scoring criteria. So that's certainly um, items that we consider. We look at um, what had been in the Parks and Recreation Master Plan. We look at um, asset management assessments. This could be on uh, playground quality um, and other things. Um, We take into account citizen requests and complaints, and we look at uh, emerging items. What what items are are people using less of? um, And and what are some items that um, we're really seeing around the country um, in Parks and Rec? Um, are becoming more more popular. So again, this is fairly early on. Staff is really in the uh, exploratory um, stage of looking at the capital improvement plan. Um, But we think it's really helpful to bring the members of the advisory board on early as we have these discussions. Um, Because that is one of the roles of the advisory board is to um, provide based on your expertise. I think it was great. Everyone um, was able to give that um, reminder introduction of um, all the expertise and knowledge that um, is brought to staff by board members um, and and, um, present your feedback. And then also um, you you hear from members of the community. So um, have the opportunity to speak. Um, from what you've heard and what your experience is so again a a, um, reminder disclaimer um, that uh, the city manager is ultimately responsible for the budget development so if there are items that arise in this discussion that aren't on the um, already approved cip this is really uh, for discussion purposes at this point Um, and they um, have not um, yet been recommended by the city manager for consideration. Um, There's also public engagement that happens throughout the whole budget process. Um, So this is again, uh, fairly early on. And uh, most importantly, it really is up to the city commission to make budget decisions. So um, from that aspect, both staff and the advisory board um, have, have a, a, a helpful role in, in working on those recommendations um, to the city commission, but ultimately they're, um, they represent the community, they're decision makers. So um, if, if anyone has any questions on that process, we can cover them now, or we can touch base on them um, one-on-one if necessary. Uh, With that introduction, um, as staff has started this process, we do have key questions and uh, considerations. Um, I'd like to turn it over to uh, Mark Hecker to walk us through that. Um, But I also want to give advisory board members the opportunity if you have any questions uh, based on kind of this introductory presentation you think that we need to cover before we move along.
12: Penny, this is John Blazek. Board member, Um, I responded to the email. And the only reason I want to explain right now in a matter of a minute or two, being on this committee three years, and I followed watched the first CIP plan three years ago, and I was absolutely floored and impressed with how well our employees do, because I watched it from the start to the finish. And I watched Mark Hecker uh, diagram explain And I'm coming out of the school business to where you got to know where every penny is. And I was just floored. And after three years, when I read the email to where we had someone wanting or or a board member wanting information and we're talking 22 to 26, I think we've got to be fair because I also know how much you guys ask for input from your employees. And by what I read, I think we're way off, we're a long ways down the road. And I don't know if you've had time to get much input from your employees. So when I read preliminary stages and we're not at the stage where we would have a draft submitted to the city manager, and I know we haven't had input, that's why I was concerned. Are we starting awful early for all this? Start to question. So I didn't mean to come across direct, but I wanted to let people know I've watched this for three years and our people do a great job if we give them time on this CIP from a recreational standpoint. That's all I need
14: to say. Penny, could you stop sharing your screen so I can share mine?
0: Absolutely.
14: All right, is that where everyone can see it? Is it big enough? So what this is, is just a summary sheet. So each one of these projects has a full detail sheet that has pictures and cost analysis and operational impacts. We use this uh, just to discuss things with staff. Uh, just to, So the 2021, these are all the projects that were approved for 2021. These are all the funding sources that were indicated by the finance and city management staff. So in addition to some of the CIP items, you also have... Um, what are term maintenance items so that's you know playground replacements parking lots then we also have three pieces of equipment we're replacing so i want to spend more time on the future years than the 21 years but are there any questions on what what's happening in 21
5: yes i do so these projects have been approved by the city council
14: correct so we'll, we'll okay. move forward with them and then bring them back to the city commission as we bid them
3: um, what does HPC stand for?
14: Good question. Thank you. Uh, the recreation center renovation are for the indoor aquatic center and the Holcomb Park Center. So we're basically doing smaller projects that add up to a bigger sum. So carbon replacement painting, um, just kind of more, you know, we have some ADA improvements in Holcomb that need to be done. So we've been trying to rotate this every couple of years to different buildings. So we did some of the community building, we did some of these Lawrence Center. So we're just trying to move it around.
7: Val Renault, board member. Um, The 27th Street extension, which some of us think of as the ruination of the Mutt Run. (laughs) Sorry to be extreme. But so that's already funded. Is that just the study?
14: No. Okay. So to, to get to where we are today it had to be approved by CIP so what will happen with that particular project that the MSO will be bringing forward in fact tomorrow night to hire a consultant for that project so, okay, again, so that does oh go ahead again every step of this goes to the city commission so if something changes or we change priority then you know the project could disappear or move forward so it's these are all just projects we can start on and start moving through process.
4: Yeah.
5: Uh, this John Nelbandian, a uh, question on the, um, the spray park, which um, I love that, uh, that we're gonna do that. Have we sought uh, private sponsorship for that?
14: Mark Hecker, no, we have not done that. That's, that's an interesting idea.
5: Yeah, why not? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cool, especially since it's on the east side of town. I mean, the hospital might be very interesting since everything they're doing is on the west side of town. This might be something that they would be interested in helping with.
14: Mark Ecker, Parks and Rec, I that's a good idea. We can sure uh, consider that and see if we can leverage a little bit of additional money or something. Um, this one's kind of a unique one. So it's the MSO department's working on a raw water feed from the Clinton Lake uh, dam. So what this does is convert our irrigation from city water to raw water. Uh, this portion of it is just for our pumping station at the golf course and then also the YSC complex. If done, we would be conserving, you know, city water that hadn't been treated. So we'd use raw water straight up the lake. These are some higher dollar equipment replacements, Uh, boom mowers, one that has the arm that reaches out over the ditches, Uh, the chipper, we're going to try to get a grapple truck, which picks up the waste from forestry, and then the roll-off truck is used to transport mowers and skid loaders. So that's our total CIP for a year, so pretty good, I think. As we go to 22 through 25, so all of these have been vetted once. In other words, they've all been scored against the city CIP scoring system, and they've they've made the cut to this point. Now, none of these have been funded yet. So as as John O'Banion mentioned, these are projects that are out there and have been fit into a a funding program, but each year is reevaluated. So in this we continue to roll maintenance items so we're trying to replace a couple of playgrounds a year we have 39 playgrounds so if we just keep up with that yeah, I think we can you know eventually get to where we're in pretty good shape parking lots and roads were in the in our master plan identified as a fairly major concern we have almost 100 parking lots in our system so this is something we're just going to keep hitting year after year Youth sports complex, adding ADA sidewalks out there. If you're frequent of of the youth sports complex, you'll know there's a lot of fields. Some of them don't have good access from parking. So that starts to work with that. Outdoor Aquatic Center, replacing pool slides, uh, Lawrence Loop, This this is another section of the loop. So this is Peterson Road to the hospital. This is currently in design phase. So the hope is the design comes forward, then the funding gets allocated. So, it's kind of weird on some of these bigger projects. We almost have to start before we actually know the funding is going to be available. There's been a grant applied for for that project. So, hopefully, the grant comes through, everything comes together in 2022. Eisenhower Road is the park behind the police station. So, that begins the development of a master plan there. Broken Arrow is one of our more popular shelter and, and park locations. This looks at ADA improvements of both the restroom and the shelter. Any questions on 22? My goal is to not change these since they've been vetted once and scored once. So we may want to add a thing or two, but I'd like to, if if possible, unless things are way out of whack, not pull things off. So that's kind of, it's a little bit of a funding game we play is that, you know, once they've seen it, once they've approved it once, we want to continue to stick with basically the same list. The ones where we'll want to add is probably in 22, if there's something that's missing, and I'll show you some things at the bottom. Uh, 23 does a couple of the same things. So these are kind of maintenance items. This starts to look at a cemetery shop. This has been a master plan item. So in other words, we have shops at both Oak Hill and Memorial Park, this would consolidate them. Community building, we've talked about major enhancements to the front end of the community building to bring it. either one, bring an elevator to the front or take the entrance to the back. So that's that Carnegie building. We're starting to look at renovation of some of the older part of the building. That's the 1902 building. So there's multiple things that can be put into that $100,000. Uh, outdoor Aquatic Center. So you see a couple of things with, with the Outdoor Aquatic Center. We're trying to, we have, we're going to have to make a decision. Either we're going to have to keep maintaining or we're going to have to replace. So we've kind of got both in here and that conversation will eventually come up where we're going to keep you know, replacing the heater, we're going to replace the driveway, we're going to do that kind of stuff on a residential scale, but um, it gets big if we keep pumping money into it. Uh, this one is another splash pad, so this one converts the South Park waiting pool to a splash pad. We feel like this will give us longer, better longevity on use, and that it could open, you know, roughly in, in April and can stay open until September, where currently the, our current facilities only operate in the summer months pushes another truck in. So those are 23. I'll stop there if there's any quick questions on 23.
3: Amber Nickel, board member, just out of curiosity, um, why do you gotta get rid of the diving boards?
14: (laughs) That actually, I don't know if I mentioned, we, we actually had a staff group. So all the supervisors for all divisions, all the managers, That was actually a comment from our aquatic staff also that they may not want to do that. The thought was we'd put another plunge slide or something in place of the diving board, but they indicated they may want to keep the diving board. So that's one we'll, we'll probably discuss a little more before we submit this. 24, again, we're sticking with the same top two. This one, we start looking at, again, um, these are in our master plan, so Renovation Alliance Park. Flint Lake Softball Complex also has a renovation component. This is the interior of the complex, so it's concrete, it's the infields, it's fencing, it's a lot of different things. And when we're starting to get, you know, four or five years out, a lot of the details aren't known of this, but we know we aren't getting better every year. So we want to allocate money to, to bring that thing back up to where it should be. Sports pavilion adding additional baffling in the ceiling for the sound acoustics out there. This is something we've been working on a little bit by a little bit. But if we don't get done by 24, we'd like to go ahead and finish it. We know the turf in the sports pavilion should be aged out by 2024. That's the life cycle of it. So this one, we're planning a life cycle replacement. Currently, it's fine. <clears throat> so we want to look at, you know, we think it'll be done by then. Tennis and basketball court replacement. We have a number of courts, and you'll see when I go down to the bottom, we're probably gonna to have to move some of this money up to 22 because we have four or five courts right now that aren't in good shape. So we need to look at that. Uh, youth sports complex, adding more asphalt. This one is one we know we're gonna to have to add. So this is, again, a programmed replacement. We did all of the cardio and fitness equipment at Sports Pavilion and the other facilities in 2019. We're getting about five years out of those. So by 24, we're going to have to come back and do those again. Questions on 24?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, Mark, what happens with the uh, the replaced cardio and fitness equipment?
14: So basically on those, especially at the sports pavilion, we get such a high use. Those things are basically done by the time we get to that five-year mark in fact we'll usually start dropping a few of them in the fourth year so most of them are just ready to be traded in we'll get a trade in value for those quite oh, trade in. a lot of money but um, we do get a, a certain trade in allotment for those
5: yeah cuz i'm thinking that maybe some uh, citizens residents might uh, might value some of that stuff
14: yeah it's the, they're when we replace them they're pretty well ready to be replaced you know we have boards going bad or belts going bad or you know, a lot of electronics will be going bad by that fourth year. And when we get to the fifth, it's it's usually getting to the point where we need to make a pretty major investment.
9: Um, this is Marilyn Hull. I have another question, Mark. Um, given that the Lawrence Loop has been um, a big citizen priority, um, why have you not budgeted for any sections of it in some of these out years?
14: At Mark Eckard Parks Actually, Marilyn, some of those were proposed for 23 and 24 and they weren't funded. So the especially like the Queens Road to uh, Castle. So it's that Northwest section. We had those in 23 and 24 and they weren't funded. So these are only things that, that were allocated funding. So if we want to pull those back up, we could do that. The, the project's already written and we could resubmit it into the derby and see, it, see if the funding holds this time. But yeah, I think that's a, a valid point. You know, look at things that maybe got dropped out and do we want to pull them back up and try it again.
6: All right, thank you. Uh, Jackie Becker uh, quick question or longer explanation, especially for uh, some of our new members. Uh, So I saw obviously in the first year, it's 3 million. And then when you look down to 2024, it's 2.1 million. Are you doing that to make sure you've got a little leeway for stuff? Or were you asked to actually lower our our budget and percentages for that in the future?
14: Uh, Mark Becker, Parks and Rec. So what happens on this is usually we'll submit a number of projects much higher than the the two million or three million and then as finance walks through it city manager walks through it's basically a, a puzzle for them trying to fit things in with other needs in the city so what we request is not always what we end up with in the cip so you know have we moved these numbers down no not necessarily we'll propose probably more than there'll be money for but we always want to submit things that we feel need to be done so that at least the concern is raised. And then, you know, as they do the funding mix, you, if you look at that other CIP list, you can kind of see, you know, each the total for each year kind of evens out at the bottom at $60 million. But this year they may buy a fire truck versus a spray park. You know? So that's the kind of judgments the city commission's making. Thank you. Mark Hecker, Parks and Rec, uh, back to 2025, same thing on top, top two items. We do another spray park, so this would be a total of three if we got funding for all these. Youth Sports Complex, we did some lighting improvements in 2017. We were proposed to move the rest of those to LED lighting for energy efficiency. Land acquisition, we need to start thinking about the future as When does our park system want to start growing? When does the city jump outside of the highway? We want to be out in front of that with park acquisition so that we're not paying premium dollars for parkland. Um, This year also hits some major facility renovations. So these were all in our master plan. So we've we've placed these what was in the out year. So, you know, renovation of East Lawrence Center, Holcomb Center, Prairie Park Nature Center, the Indoor Aquatic Center and replacing that So it's a little contradictory that we're up in the top there fixing up the outdoor pool, and then we're down here, we're talking about replacing it. Uh, Good news is it made it into the CIP. And I think a decision will have to be made in the next year or two is which way we're going to go with that Are we going to keep plugging money into the existing facility or replace it with something more modern. So questions on 25.
4: This is Pat Phillips, board member. Mark, um, regarding those renovations, I mean, they're very high um, amounts. Is there ways to stagnate that in different years so it's not all in one year?
14: Uh, Mark Ecker, Parks and Rec, yes. Um, sometimes we get an economy of scale by doing everything at once. So we hire an architect, that, kind of like the school district did. Mm-hmm. They'll do multiple improvements in multiple buildings. Um, yes, they could be spread out to different years Yeah, the Indoor Aquatic Center, for example, is one we've talked about adding event space out there so that we're more capable of of handling some of those big events. That one's been there, the Prairie Park Nature Center, we've talked about a classroom for years and years. Yeah, you know, would it be better to spread them out? Maybe, or it might be better to hire one architect to, to renovate a little bit of everything throughout the system so that everybody feels like they got something in their neighborhood area. So, yeah, that, that's a great conversation point, though. Mark Hecker, Parson Again, as we get to 26, so these are just items staff threw up against the wall. We haven't written most of these as CIP projects, but we're sticking with the first couple again. Uh, maintenance staff brought up the fact that a lot of our Park restrooms were built in the 80s, so a lot of those metal restrooms. So we're pushing 40-plus years on some of those, and they just, frankly, need to be replaced. Um, Pickleball has been a growing emphasis. Let's go with that. That There's a lot of people playing pickleball, and we have more tennis courts than pickleball courts outdoors. So um, maybe we start resurfacing courts and thinking about a pickleball complex. I don't know. That's certainly something a lot of cities are doing is they'll put a dedicated, here's six courts together with lights, just like a tennis complex. Uh, Water tower park is one that wasn't on our our radar, but as that water tower moves from where it currently is to what we think is probably the center of the park, after that's done, we're gonna wanna reconstruct that park, new playgrounds, basically get it back to to a level or, or better than it is currently. Victor Park, we have two sections of that trail over there that we've put off and put off and put off. Uh, It's Agline now one section, one section hasn't been built that we acquired right away quite a few years ago. So looking at trying to maybe finish a couple sections over there, Pickleball Complex we talked about. Uh, This one is one that's a little bit self-serving, but is also identified as a strategic item for the um, city commission is connectivity. Uh, We have a shop facility that doesn't have a very good computer capability right now, and they're trying to run GIS mapping and sort of things, and they just, quite frankly, can't run it. So this brings high-speed fiber to that shop facility. All of our other buildings and and shop facilities have have fiber, so we can run about any program. Eagle Bend Golf Course, we're looking at, at drainage improvements, and also one of the bigger drainage issues out there is the driving range. If you haven't been out there after a big rain, it's basically a swamp out in the driving range, so that keeps us shut down until that thing dries out, otherwise all the golf balls just kind of disappear in the mud. So that's one for an improvement. Oak Hill Cemetery, we just had a meeting today to talk about this, so as that got moved to a historic property and and recognized on the national register, we feel like there's maybe some potential to move towards improving some of the older sections that aren't active to bring them up to the standards that would be acceptable for a historic property. So that's a new project as of about one o'clock this afternoon. Uh, hort, hort division shop move. So this one, MSO's building, proposing to build a complex at by venture park as part of that. The horticulture division is supposed to move also. So that allocates money for those. These two are big CIP project or master plan projects a um, large shelter facility. We don't have that in our system. That's one that would seat two to 500 people, air-conditioned, heated. Uh, if you've been to some bigger park departments, a lot of us have these facilities that will handle a big wedding reception or a big family gathering. Uh, that's a rental facility. It would produce a pretty significant revenue along with the uh, maintenance cost of it. Youth sports complex, we're looking at improving that, the quality of that complex. So most complexes nowadays have artificial turf. They have uh, just a variety of improvements over what we have with with the gravel parking lots and the grass areas for for fields. So uh, this was identified as a fairly major CIP item. So those are not proposed yet. These are just kind of staff brought up in a conversation. So I would be interested in your thoughts or other things that we've missed.
5: Uh, Mark, this is John, now Bandian. Um, on the uh, park improvements about uh, the water tower construction, uh, speaking now politically, uh, the sooner that those park improvements are made, the better it's going to be for parks and rec. Uh, and for the and for the city, I mean the argument. The uh, one of the arguments is that uh, yeah, we'll be able to do some nice parts and wreck stuff with the water tower and so on and so forth. But but just really emphasizing that uh, would do a a, a lot to um, sort of help people understand that when we say that the park is going to be improved, yeah, they're going to see it. They're going to see it very soon.
14: Mark Hecker Parks, I I agree with you. And I think as they're talking about construction wrapping up on that water tower move in 2022. So that's why I kind of think that we propose this. Oh, I see. I see, yeah. So that that would be my thought on that.
5: Yeah, sooner the better.
14: Mm
8: -hmm. John, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, One of the things that, as we change things, the park will change with the water towers, we really want to do is engage the neighborhood and the users and remaster plan that space, get the input from the sororities up there along with the neighbors, and try to get what they want instead of us saying, hey, we're going to put a playground here and then go, well, that was silly. We didn't want that. So more to follow on that one, but I'm hoping in sometime after February, when the KU kids get back and hopefully we can start rolling on a public engagement.
6: Uh, Jackie Becker uh, question with the success we've had out at Woody park. I know there's no, I haven't seen any budget for anything with Woody. Would we be looking into potentially trying to find a way to put some monies there to help for our displaced community in Lawrence, Kansas?
8: And Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation, the city, and along with the county and the nonprofits, continue to look at opportunities for affordable housing around Lawrence and to address the unsheltered. Um, at the current time, I think we're just a little too early into that process. Um, I think at some point that that may be a possibility, but right now, that um, we're way too early for that, I believe. But great question.
9: Um, this is Marilyn Hull, board member. I just wanted to ask about a, a couple things. One, um, where's the city on the idea of opening up recreational access to the Kansas River? Does and does that even uh, come under parks and recreation or is that some other group? My second question is has any thought been given to doing an outdoor pavilion that is covered that could be used for the farmers market and other um, citywide events and activities?
14: Mark Ecker, Parks and Rec. All those, both of those projects are written as a CIP. We haven't moved them up. So here's these, these are projects that have been parked down lower on our list. So there's a farmer market one. And then the Kansas River Walk is here. So again, it's just which ones do we want to try to pull up and push? Yeah, there's a lot of master plan items down here. There's ones that were proposed and unfunded. So there's our two, you know, the Queens Road projects. I was gonna say something too.
8: It's- okay, and Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Uh, Marilyn, this is a fantastic question. and. As the city continues to grow and the downtown changes, uh, yes, I would love to see more more opportunities for recreation down on the river. There's opportunities to work with the Kansas Department of Parks and Wildlife. Um, It's kind of envisioning that downtown isn't just Massachusetts Street, it's actually flowing third between Mass to Delaware Street. And I think as we go towards the Santa Fe Depot, both below and above the dam, we need to keep our eyes open on that. And uh, I've been engaged in discussions with other groups that have an interest. We just, I haven't had time to follow up on, you know, how do we get kayak um, docks and, and unloading and loading um, stations down there, where and I, I truly want to see that developed and that recreational opportunities become part of Lawrence within the next five years.
12: This is John Blasek. Derek, this is gonna be directed to you. I've, I had some, I had a question I've been asked and I couldn't answer. And it was kind of interesting. I'm not sure how the recreation people or staff or et cetera got, got assigned with the uh, homeless and Camp Woody and et cetera. But my question is this, with the money that was spent on that and now in the hotels and the damage that we're reading, will that money eventually come out of your recreational CIP since you guys are doing that legwork on it?
8: Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation. Um, I will say this. The city staff did a phenomenal job, and I'll give credit to Brandon McGuire from the City Manager's Office and Penny Holler from our department. So within a week, uh, coming up with an RFP, getting hotels to bid on it, and putting together an agreement with the hotels and MOU with volunteers to get a program up and running such a short time, is it's phenomenal. To manage a program where it's new to our staff, so they did the,
4: the legwork. And then I have staff that are working on the day-to-day project management
8: and the volunteers. The volunteers have brought in the churches in a congregate setting. They know how to manage that very well. Um, this is a non-congregate setting, which it, provides a lot of new challenges. The demand to use that space went from, I believe, about 38 the first day, and it increased just about every day until it got up to about 107 or 109 people. So we had a contract with one hotel. We had the overflow to another hotel. As we go forward, what we're trying to do is focus on our efficiencies and reducing costs, reducing damages, reducing the fees associated with uh, room cleanings and and, uh, lemons and and whatnot, smoking fees. And I think we're starting to turn the corner on that. Um, We are maximizing the space of what we have available. Uh, At the end of the day, it is a general fund, it's city funds, but uh, also it's not coming out of our budget, but as good uh, stewards of city finances, we're doing everything we can to reduce the amount of those funds going to damages that could be going to rooms, room rates to support those in need of a winter shelter.
0: Penny Holler, management analyst. Um, I'd also like to, to echo what Derek said um, and just speak from a, a budgetary standpoint is um, if you recall, we have actually three sheltering programs going on. So there is uh, Camp Woody. Um, There is the uh, longer term um, shelter, well longer term, uh, three month sheltering uh, program. uh, We're working on in partnership with the Lawrence Community Shelter. And then there is the third, which is truly just the overnight winter shelter program. Those first two programs, Uh, The city has grant funds to run. So um, Camp Woody, initially we had CARES Act funds and as those funds have ended, the city was able to obtain um, federal and state uh, ESG funds. Um, Those same funds also um, allowed us to do uh, that second program uh, in in coordination with the Lawrence Community Shelter. So over half of the dollars spent on this are actually coming from um, outside grant funds.
12: Thank you, Penny. And this is John Blosick again. Yeah, I knew that. And, you know, funds, we're all smart to know they'll eventually run out. That's why when Derek said it comes back to the general fund, and I didn't know if it was going to trickle back to your CIP numbers in here. So, because they aren't going to get smaller. I mean, well, we know that and you, I mean, everybody knows that. So I was just curious if the funding is going to eventually affect your recreational budget.
8: Derek Rogers, uh, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, as far as I know, it will not, but that's really a CMO question for you know, what's the impact of programs on budgets and the finance
1: directors?
12: Okay, thank you.
1: Um, hello, is it, this is Bart Littlejohn, Chair. Uh, Mark, uh, I was just curious about where are you on your presentation because we still have a, uh, person who wants to give comment and I want to make sure that we don't leave them out.
14: Mark Ecker, Parks and Rec. I'm done presenting unless the board members have more questions
1: or concerns. All righty. Does anybody else have any concerns for or questions for Mark?
0: Penny Hall of Analyst, it also wouldn't preclude the board from continuing on the discussion after that public comment on this agenda item. So um, you can choose after public comment to then revisit or um, end the session.
1: Yes, exactly what Penny said. (laughs) Um, I'm not hearing anything, so I'll go ahead and uh, give the floor to Chris. Um, Chris, as Penny said before, you have three minutes uh, for public comment. And uh, if whenever you are ready, uh, you can go ahead and proceed. Great.
11: Thanks, Bart. Thanks to the chair. Thanks to the advisory board for giving me the opportunity to speak. I, I will make this quick. There's just three points I want to comment on. One, um, and these are all related to trails. Um, I wear a lot of hats, but I'm I'm really speaking for myself. Uh, one I want to commend the staff for the 150000 that already is budgeted for planning of the Lawrence Loop. I don't think we often have included planning funding um, in a proactive way. So that was a great thing that we did last year and had that approved. My understanding from comments made at the Multimodal Transportation Commission, I think in December, is that those, uh, that that planning fund will be used both for the Peterson to hospital section that Mark alluded to, that's in the 2022 CIP, as well as the section um, that will extend Burris Creek Trail all the way to Constant Park. Um, Mark did mention, so that's first point. Second point that Mark mentioned the 1.6 million in 2022. Um, actually 600,000 600, of that was from general obligation uh, debt projects. Another roughly million is proposed from a KDOC grant. That grant has been submitted and will um, I think we will know from the Kansas Department of Transportation by January if that is funded or not, which would then allow us to build that section from Peterson uh, to the hospital. If not, We do have 600,000 in general obligation debt uh, that was proposed for use for that Peterson to hospital project. I would love for Parks and Rec, if that grant does not come through, to propose to the city that we consider using that money for the essentially the section from. We're gonna do some work this coming year and we'll then have the trail to about 7th and Delaware. Um, I think that 600,000 would be adequate to take the trail all the way to the Santa Fe Depot. Um, We should have the planning work done if it's used in this year's budget. Um, That's just really a critical section to uh, connect the east part of the city to downtown. It's consistent with the downtown master plan um parks and recreation master plan our strategic plan um you know our i think our entire loop mileage system is based on ground zero being at the <laughs> at the santa fe depot which isn't yet connected to the trail system so you know, the the timing would work because I think we'll know in January if we receive that grant. If we don't, I think there's then a question about could we use that 600000 in local funds uh, for other sections of trail. And I know I'm almost out of time, so I guess my third point would be I do very much support what Marilyn said about taking some of those unfunded projects, proposing moving those back into the CIP in out years, I think it's really important for grant agencies to see the commitment of the local agency uh, to do this work um, as we are seeking grant funds. And so I think that's really important as well. Thank you for the time. Um, and um, thanks to Parks and Rec for the great work that they do, you know, both in budgeting and implementing it as they carry out their work.
1: Thanks. Thank you, Chris. Uh, we appreciate that um all right uh since since our next agenda item is a uh, board and interest board items of interest and we're pretty much to the end of this does anybody else have any comment on what Chris said so I'll just go ahead and open it up now
5: yes I have a question uh, John Nalbandian. I had a question uh, regarding the continuing, um, education, the fitness centers and so on and so forth. Um, I had a resident uh, let me know that uh, they got two different emails, uh, one for regarding lifelong um, classes and the other regular classes. And they're very different, Uh, different durations of classes, um, different start, stop time so on and so forth. And the question is why, why weren't those coordinated? Should they have been coordinated? Why didn't people in the lifelong uh, classes get access or information about the regular classes? So what, what was all that about?
1: So John, uh, sorry, John, Is that that's a board item of interest. But first, let me go ahead and make sure that no, no one had any questions of Chris. Um, oh, did sorry. anybody? No, no, that's OK. Uh, did anyone have any any questions of Chris, of what, what he just said?
9: Um, this is Marilyn Hill, board member. I don't have questions, but I concur with his suggestion that um, allocated matching funds. Um, if the grant, the grant that's currently in front of KDOT is not funded, I concur that it would be good to use that 600,000 or so dollars to complete, um, 7th to 8th street extension of the Burroughs Creek trail.
1: Okay. Thank you, Marilyn. Um, do we have anybody else with any further comment? Okay. I'm not seeing any. Um, Chris just sent everyone a, a link. Um, so uh, thank you for doing that, Chris um but uh i believe that if we have any sort of information we can go ahead and reach out to him as well so um thank you for attending chris and giving us public comment on that uh it, that's uh, definitely a tool that uh i'm not sure if all of us are where, we're aware of um and we, we truly appreciate that so thank you All right. Um, to go ahead and, uh, and uh, thank you for the supplemental information, um, to go ahead and move us on, uh, item E concerns of the board members, items of interest, John, I'm sorry. I cut you off on that. And, uh, believe yours, your question was in regards to the fitness center. So I probably think that, uh, Lee ice would probably be the one to go ahead and answer that. Am, am I right?
5: Well, um, my concern is it goes beyond the fitness center. Okay, okay. I mean, it has to do with the notice of classes that are going to be available um, for the lifelong um, lifelong fitness versus just the regular classes is very different, uh, very different emails, very different communication.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: I I believe
8: Lee
13: Ice can answer uh, that that question. Yeah, I'll I'll give that a shot, John. And and I appreciate the the question. Um, This actually started back Thanksgiving, Christmas, when we as the department decided to not have any programs in January because we just didn't know what the pandemic was going to look like coming out of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So we asked staff just to be put on hold and to really start focusing on February as a start time. And so what we typically do is it, they were asked to look at spring break, which is March six and work backwards. And so the February one would have been approximately four to six weeks of an opportunity to do some programming. We didn't know what that was gonna look like. And so Derek called a meeting on January 4th once everybody got back with all of the recreation staff, which we had about two thirds there on that Monday coming back out of the out of the New Year's and so some of them were really biting at the bit because they've been hearing from the public we need to open we need to open we need to start programming we need there's a lot of things that we might be able to do and so the direction that was given at that point in time was okay what can you do with allocation of maybe two weeks of registration get to maybe the 15th 18th of January have something for one or two weeks and then start another class or another part section that would run from February 1 to approximately spring break and then start it all over again. Because what we didn't want is 10 to 12 weeks of classes and then for us to get to the 1st of February, we go back in red or orange and we got to cancel again and refund all, that, all, all the registration. We, we did have a staff person that kind of jumped the gun on us a little bit to really try to program too much, which you know everybody wants to do more. And in this particular case, we wanted to actually do less and maybe look at 25% of what they were capable of doing, and and really kind of scale things down and not throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and then hope something sticks. So that was our fault in 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 making sure that they understood coming out of that January 4th meeting, because we really weren't gonna make any decisions till Friday uh, of last week in terms of how we're gonna open this up. Uh, Gail did a tremendous job with the Lifelong and and communicating to her seniors in that group. Uh, Unfortunately, we opened up too much of the classes, but they were still within the timeframe that we were looking to do is that February 1 to March 6th? Um, I think some of them may have looked like they were going longer than that, but they weren't. They were, they were starting somewhere around that first week of February and then concluding approximately, I think it was the 6th or the 8th of March. Uh, so it was about a four- to six-week program. Um, but the rollout, I mean, we, didn't have, we don't have the activity guide. It, it was kind of, you know, we're trying to get something out there. Uh, and really, it was those two, the, the, the lifelong and then the, the, the overall classes. Because we're still trying to do sports. We're still trying to do a few other things. Um, but it's difficult when you don't have the activity guide. We're not doing the same things that we've always done. You know, we came out of the Unified Command last week at a 9% uh, positivity rate. I mean, we were at 5, then we went to 7. Now we're over 9 Baldwin had 19.1% positivity rate a week ago. So we don't even know what's going to happen this Thursday. Uh, if, we, if we get back to orange or red, we may be shutting down again. So we don't, we don't really know. But, but rec staff has to have the opportunity and the time to plan. And typically it's about a two-week registration. They have to get, they have to get instructors lined up. What can they do? What, they're, what are they available to do? When are they available to do it? And then we have to piece all this together and stay within the guidelines of the health department of hundred people in a building or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sports pavilion is a little bit more at 250, but when you're talking classes and practices and people on the track, how do we keep that under 250? So everybody's going to have to work together on these things. So again, it's kind of a work in progress. We have dialed her back a little bit on the classes. The overall classes, um, but again, it wasn't perfect. And I think it was just misinterpreted or, you know, we just, it, it wasn't handled very well. And that
5: was our fault. Well, well Lee, the, the lifetime classes are only for two weeks. And then the other class, the regular classes go uh, much longer than that. What, what happened there?
13: Well, the, the life, the lifelong classes, I mean, that was that was something that Gail wanted to do from the 15th of January to the 1st of February, and then she could do more after that. There was another four to six weeks after that. And yeah, so, but she only
5: did two weeks.
13: Well, the January ones, the February, she did two. Okay, I don't know what she did in February and beyond that, and whether or not she's offering another four to five-week class after that up until spring break. What we didn't want to have was eight or nine weeks. And I know on the regular classes they don't start till early February, and they're done by March 6, so they're they're about a five or six week program. So the, she she could have done the classes could have opened up January 15th or 18th, Martin Luther King Day or oh. after, and gone two weeks, and then start another session the first of February.
5: So these are these are two very different, then programming initiatives. The lifetime and then the regular. Well, there are two different populations, yes. Yeah, I know that, but there are two different people who are organizing the different classes and it looks like they worked independently. And I don't get the logic of the lifetime for two weeks and the other classes for six weeks or whatever.
13: I mean, there, there were some people who were wanting to do it just a week by week. Uh, when we shut down originally, they said, well, can we just go week to week and pay every time we come? Um, and, and we weren't able to, to accommodate that. And so this was the next best thing that we thought we could do, that if they really truly want to be in that class, and it may resume again on February 1st, we'll do two weeks and then another four or five, because we don't know where we're going to be February 1. And so if we could get two weeks in, it's better than doing nothing and then having to refund the, the next six weeks.
5: Then why did you why did you program the regular classes for longer than that?
13: Well the, the regular classes start February one, they're not starting January fifteenth. So they're they're able to offer that beginning February first, with the understanding they may not happen it because it's okay. registration. And they won't go any longer until Spring break, so it's a four to six week program that even the lifelong can do, starting February
5: one to spring break, and that will be a new initiative then for those of us uh, working on the lifelong. Okay. Uh, John Dirk Rogers, Parks Recreation Director.
8: Gil, Gil followed our direction, as what I expected and wanted to see. Two week increments. What can we do on drop ins We're or- trying to just kind of get our toes wet. We've allowed the public in for equity. Some folks need, you know, one-on-one training, say to lift weights or do other things. <clears throat> Knowing that come this next Friday, after we see what happens with the trend, with public health, where are we going? You know, is there a different mandate after the inauguration? We want to see what's going on. So we may only be two weeks at a time and We're going to know where the trend's going, I think, by next weekend. So I asked staff to kind of hold back. One of the staff members threw a lot of stuff out there that um, I think misinterpreted my message and got (laughs) way way beyond what I was wanting. Uh, (laughs) Did my two weeks. Keep it it small. Let's get our feet wet. I see. So sorry. That's on me.
5: Okay. Thanks, Derek.
1: All right. Uh, Does anybody else uh, have any items of interest that that, uh, it's on their mind?
8: Derek Rogers, Parks Recreation. I do have Roger Steinbrack on um, and we can talk a little bit about uh, our donation policy uh, from last week's state commission.
1: Um, Uh, Sure, sure.
8: Um, we took, we took it the city commission, uh, one of the organizations friends of Oak Hill that we worked with had some concerns about the policy <clears throat> one of the commissioners about it being a city policy. So you know, we pulled it back I, and again, I Mark talked about, we met with uh, friends of Oak Hill today and I think, um, they're feeling more comfortable with what we had planned, but it, it is good to have a donation policy for the whole city <coughs> Looking at it from the dam, the land donation, but it also covers so much more, like uh, a naming policy, a sponsorship policy. If somebody came to town and said, "We're going to donate money to build a uh, memorial to Quantrill in Lawrence, Kansas," we're going to say no, whether there's a policy or no policy, and that's part of what this con- this deals with. On a normal individual or a nonprofit that wants to donate money to the city of Lawrence or Parks and Recreation, we'd love to have partnerships. There are a few instances where we go, we appreciate the opportunity, but I don't think we're gonna accept but this, I'll pass on to Roger, uh, if he's got anything else to add. Uh, well, I think
10: you covered it quite well. Okay. Um, I, I Just going back to the last item, John, um, Roger Steinbrock Marketing Supervisor, I've been working on a press release that's gonna be going out this evening uh, to to talk about the programming that's gonna be offered. Uh, we've got the website updated on the boxes up on the front page and you can go there and look at all the stuff that's being offered. And then we'll be adding to that as well um, as they develop classes. So just to let you know that, you know, like Lee said, we're just doing this in an incremental uh, stages, but I've got it all grouped and I'm, but finalizing the
1: stuff now to be sent out later tonight. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Appreciate it. Um, I would like to say as well, uh, um, that, uh, the, the CIP discussion is just the first iteration of this. Um, we'll be also continuing it. Uh, um, I believe many we'll, We'll be, we'll be continuing it next month as well, right? Is that correct?
0: Penny Holler, management That was the plan. Yes. Yeah. So really kind of, this meeting is, you know, kind of what's the CIP bring everyone in on the base discussion and then maybe really kind of delve in a little further in February.
1: Good deal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, um, but yeah, I just wanted to go ahead and put that out there just to let people know that this is not something that we're putting down for this month that we will be bringing up and- and discussing it again next month as well. So. Um,
9: hey, Derek, but, uh, can, I, or, Derek um, can I add something in no.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
9: For next month's CIP discussion, I'm curious to know whether the City Commission's approved strategic plan um, provides any, any direction that might influence choices that Parks and Rec is gonna make about what to
8: put forward. Derek Rogers, uh, Orange Parks and Recreation. I know we're still working on the strategic plan and I really wish it had been done by now so we could work on ours and revisions to our master plan. Um, I'm excited about where the strategic plan is going and I don't know if if most of you have followed it or not, Um, but without it approved, I don't know if that's going to have any impact on that. Uh, I'm fortunate enough, many people on this uh, call from city staff are involved in different areas of the strategic plan. Um, Roger, Mark, myself, uh, and I, I think I've got one of the coolest, and of course, everybody probably thinks they do too. Arch's unmistakable identity, and that's on one of the outcomes, uh, which deals a lot with, not only Parks and Rec, but our, our, our downtown, our uniqueness as a city. Uh, so I, I wish it was done, but I'm, I'm not quite sure when the date of completion of the strategic plan is going to be. I know it's a city manager and a, a CMO priority, and they have put a lot of um, resources and time and into, into getting to move along. not if anybody else has any other input I might have missed. Porter, I, I know you're mic'd off, but uh, you're one that's uh, front running on, the, on this project also.
1: Wow, threw Porter under the bus, nice. He uh, might've
8: walked away from Penny Hall manager analyst. He's also running another meeting, so oh, okay. um,
0: he's, he's uh, doing dual service uh, this evening. Uh, Penny Hall, manager analyst, though I, I would add, yeah, many of us are on um, the committees because really we have the strategic plan, but it's sort of, what are the next steps? And, and what does that mean? These are, um, you know, really exciting goals for the city, um, but, but where does that leave us exactly that, uh, Marilyn? So as we're looking at the CIP, what does that mean? I think we are we as, as staff um, are, and, and members of the community are still having those conversations.
9: Okay, thank you.
1: All right, everyone. Uh, Do we have any uh, other items of interest that you would like to go ahead and bring up now?
12: Hey Bart, this is John Blazek, advisory board member. I just Mm -hmm. like to compliment Mark and those guys on their CIP presentation. Kind of remind me of three years ago of how detailed you guys look at every penny. Thank you, that was cool information again, Mark.
1: all right uh yeah thank you guys for putting that that information together for us and you know uh, getting that turnaround and getting that uh preliminary information out to us so we could go ahead and review it we really do appreciate it. um i'm not really hearing anything else so uh what i'll do is um move us on to our next item uh staff update uh, I believe uh, there is an attachment there. So, does anybody have any comment or anything they want to add about the staff update? I am not seeing anything or hearing anything. Mark
14: Heckworth, Assistant Director. One thing I'd mm-hmm. like to point out on that. Uh, some of the the work the nature center is doing on continuing education things where they're just basically getting things out to people so that parents can work with their kids on, on science projects they're doing a lot of work with videos so i kind of want to call them out as kind of going over and above and not just sitting and waiting for people to come to the nature center they're shooting stuff out to folks so just wanted to call that out a little bit
1: Thank you, Mark. Uh, Yeah, those folks need all the attention they can get. We appreciate it.
10: And you might just uh, look at your Facebook uh, page for Parks and Recreation. Uh, Dara from the uh, uh, Nature Center put together a video on owls. So you learn all about owls in this uh, about a 10 minute video. It's a real fun project that she did.
1: All right. Uh, <clears throat> do we have anything else to add about the staff update? Not seeing anything. Okay, folks. Uh, I think that'll do it for our meeting. Um, unless anything anybody else has anything to add, uh, I would entertain a motion to adjourn.
9: Marilyn Hull, board member, I move we adjourn.
1: Okay. Marilyn Hull with the motion second. to adjourn. Is there a second out there?
7: Val Renault, board member, I second.
1: All right. Val Renault no with the second. Any discussion? Or any questions? Seeing or hearing none. All those in favor, just say aye. Aye.
12: Aye. 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 aye.
1: Any opposed? All right, we are adjourned. Thank you guys for hanging in there, and uh, I hope that you guys all have a, a great week. Uh, we really appreciate it. All
7: right. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone. Bye. Bye.